0: John chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one else can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, and their people love the darkness rather than the light because of their works were evil for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed but whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by in god this is the word of god
1: thank you am good morning everyone It's my pleasure to welcome you in this morning, and uh, if I haven't met you before, my name is Ben, I'm the community pastor here, and I'm launching, it's my pleasure to launch our new sermon series called Meeting with Jesus. And in this series, we're going to get an opportunity to encounter Jesus as he meets with different people in John's Gospel. It's a book in the New Testament, and we're going to look at a number of different encounters, and we ourselves are going to get an opportunity to meet Jesus to see him, to know him, to learn more about who he is and what he came to do. And this morning, we're going to be looking at that famous story in John chapter 3, where Jesus meets with a religious leader called Nicodemus. Now, if you were coming through this morning, you might have received a growth group guide called Meeting Jesus. We uh, developed these to go along with these sermon series, and we'd love for you To use them, Um, they've got key verses in them each week that you can memorize. There's Bible reading plans that you can use for each day to follow along the series. There's questions that, if you're not in a growth group already, in a small group, you can use them by yourself in your own study. So please make use of that. They're at the Connection Center if you don't have one already. But before we get into it, I want to ask you a question. And it's a little bit philosophical. The question is How do you know? How do you know things? How do you arrive at knowledge? How do you know when you are being offered true knowledge versus false knowledge? How do you determine that? For most people in our culture right now, true knowledge is determined by how it feels. If it feels right, it is right. It doesn't mean people are stupid or illogical, they can't recognize a fact or something like that, but generally what their worldview and the way they think is generally made up by how they feel about different things. For example, how do you know what I'm saying is true? How do you know what I tell you is true? Maybe if I said to you, you guys are great, you look great today, you're perfect, you're an amazing bunch of people, you're just awesome, I'm blown away by you. That might make you feel good. You might even think, yeah, yeah, preach it, amen. That's good. You know, after church, go up to someone next to you say, Ben hit the nail on the head this morning, that was good preaching, man. It might make you feel good and sometimes what feels right we sometimes declare is actually right. That's a lot of the way our our culture does it these days. We look at what resonates with us. But there are plenty of other ways to seek knowledge as well. Some of us go to our family for knowledge. Whatever our family believes or says we generally trust is true. Some of us go to our good friend Google and uh, whatever he says is is generally correct. You know, if I ask it what the weather is, I'll generally trust that it's giving me a, a fair Forecast. I'm not going to worry about checking the sources or anything like that, I, I trust Google. But what about when it comes to Jesus? How can we know, like Nicodemus is wondering, how can we know whether he was truly from God? Can Google tell us? Do we, do we ask our family? Is it dependent on how we feel about Jesus? Well, our story in John 3 is going to speak directly to this question. Nicodemus, the teacher of Israel, a man who knew his Bible from back to front, claimed to know something about Jesus. But Jesus corrects him and points him instead to another way of arriving at true knowledge. Jesus teaches him how he can truly know. And this is something you and I really need to be clear about as well. I mean, if we're a Christian, we want to know that we've arrived at our conclusions about Jesus in the right way. We, we want to have assurance about what we believe. And so we want to know what Jesus teaches on this. And if we're not a Christian, this is an opportunity for us as well, because if you're looking into Jesus, don't you want to know how he himself tells you that you should come to him? I mean, if he does turn out to be God in the flesh, then what he says on this is critical for us. So we're going to look at this story together in John chapter 3 as Jesus interacts with Nicodemus. And I'm going to read the first couple of verses again, verses 1 and 2. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night. Now, our first point, if you like taking notes, is uh, we will not know Jesus while hiding in darkness. We will not know Jesus while hiding in darkness in the night. The fact that Nicodemus came at night is actually very significant. Throughout his gospel, the writer of this book, John, uses the themes of darkness and light intentionally. And for him, darkness spiritualizes sorry, symbolizes spiritual darkness. It it, it symbolizes a deadness to spiritual things. Later in his gospel, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, it is when a person walks at night, symbolic night, that they stumble, for they have no light. The fact that Nicodemus came at night symbolizes that he was in spiritual darkness. He was in the dark when it came to spiritual realities. And this, this is the teacher of Israel we're talking about, someone who everyone else would have looked to for answers, who everyone else would have expected to be spiritually alive. He was actually in spiritual darkness. He was blind to the truth. And it makes me wonder what you and I trust in when it comes to our beliefs about Jesus. I mean, Nicodemus had a lot he could trust in as the teacher of Israel. What do we trust in? Do we trust in how well we know the Bible? Do we trust in our intelligence as if God's existence depends upon our intellectual conclusions? Do we trust our feelings, believing like many others in our culture that if God feels right, he must be true? Well, the truth is, apart from Jesus, all of us are in the same predicament as Nicodemus. No amount of intelligence or knowledge or status will lead us to the truth when it comes to Jesus. Because the Bible teaches that apart from Jesus, Nicodemus and you and me are in spiritual darkness. Jesus says to Nicodemus a few, later, few verses later in verse 19, this is the verdict, light. So Jesus is speaking to himself when he says light. Jesus has come into the world, light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Now, what Jesus gets at here exposes our core problem. We don't want to come into the light, we don't want to be held accountable for our actions. Jesus says that we naturally like darkness because we want to be our own rulers and judges. We want to do whatever feels right for us. And we don't want someone else to tell us otherwise. And this is what the Bible calls sin. The Bible teaches that all of us are born under this curse called sin, a kind of darkness that tells us to take God's role and become our own gods, our own rulers, our own judges. But Jesus teaches that while we think like that, while we hold on to that role, we will never come to know him. We cannot know Jesus while hiding in darkness. We must be willing to lay down our right to autonomy, our right to be our own judge, and come out from the darkness. So that's the first point. We will not know Jesus while hiding in darkness. The second thing that we learn is that we will not know Jesus on our own terms. We will not know, truly know Jesus if it's on our own terms. Let's continue reading from verse two. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. I love this. This is classic Jesus view. Nicodemus is probably looking for some assurance from Jesus about his identity, and he's not yet sure about Jesus, so he comes in the darkness. Maybe he's possibly even embarrassed or um, worried about what others might think if he comes to Jesus. And he politely just draws some conclusions about Jesus' identity, just cautiously starts drawing some conclusions. But Jesus, in classic Jesus style, doesn't address... Nicodemus's concern. He doesn't answer to Nicodemus or the religious leaders. He doesn't need to explain himself to them. And so in his response, he takes aim at one of the assumptions in Nicodemus' statement. Remember, Nicodemus said, Rabbi, we know, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. And Jesus basically says, no, you don't. No, you don't. Very truly, I tell you, no one can know or see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. You see, Jesus doesn't have to play to our rules. Nicodemus might have thought, you know, because of his Bible knowledge and that sort of thing, that he could kind of figure some things out about Jesus. But Jesus says, look, you're not going to know anything unless you're born again. Jesus doesn't play to our rules. He's not a slave to our social norms. He is the king. So do you want to meet Jesus? Jesus. Well, what we're beginning to see here in the story is that Jesus is uncontrollable and uncontainable. He is God in the flesh. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he will not bow down to anyone else. So if we have been living as the kings and queens of our lives, Jesus can be kind of scary for us. He's dangerous to the false kingdoms that we often set up for ourselves. Before we can ever see his kingdom, he demands that we lay down our false crowns that we've been wearing and come to him on his terms. He is looking for people who are willing to come to the light. He is looking for people who are willing to humbly seek him on his terms. And here are Jesus' terms. You must be born again. You must be born again. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again what? How on earth do we do that? How on earth do we do that? Well, it's kind of ironic because it's not something we can do. It's like Jesus is having a bit of a crack at Nicodemus and the religious establishment here. He's trying to break down their assumptions and pride. He's trying to show them how utterly reliant on God they are for real truth. Now, it turns out that There is something that Jesus wants us to do in response to him, but before we get to that, he wants us to come to a point of humility and submission to God, knowing that apart from him, we can do nothing, we can know nothing, we are completely at his mercy. So how did you come in here today? Did you come as a servant? If you're a Christian, did you come as a servant, ready to do whatever he wanted you to do here today? Did you come seeking him, ready to receive whatever it is that he puts in your hands, whether it was a joyful experience of his presence in worship, or whether you didn't get much of an experience and you just get to humor of the word and spend time with other Christ followers? How'd you come in here today? Did you come with your own agenda? Did you think that unless God shows himself to you this time, then you're done with him? We will not know Jesus on our own terms. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is the second error that Jesus wants us to avoid. And the third thing that we learn from Nicodemus' encounter with Jesus is that we will not know Jesus through our own knowledge. We will not truly know Jesus through our own knowledge and intelligence and wisdom. After Jesus talks a bit more about being born again, Nicodemus says, how can this be? And Jesus says to him, you are Israel's teacher. And do you not understand these things? You see, Nicodemus was a religious heavyweight. Jesus calls him Israel's teacher. He would have known his Old Testament better than anyone in this room. And yet it wasn't enough. His religious experience was not enough to show him Jesus's true identity. In the end, he could not rely on his education in the scriptures. And some of us, like Nicodemus, think that we've got Jesus figured out because of how well we know our Bibles, because of how long we've come to church. But Jesus says, you'll never meet me if you merely rely on religion or your intellectual grasp of the scriptures. It's not enough. Others of us might not know the Bible at all, but we have a different type of knowledge that we rely on. Whether it's our knowledge of history, or science, or just a general belief in our own intelligence, these things are not enough for us to determine who Jesus is, and they never will be. Because remember, the Bible teaches that we're all born in spiritual darkness. We're all in the same predicament called sin. We're by nature dead to God. And what can dead people do? Nothing. There is nothing they can do. They're they're dead. They're lifeless. They're powerless. And in the same way, there is nothing in and of ourselves that we can do to truly know Jesus. And this is exactly the type of lesson that Jesus was trying to teach Nicodemus. When Jesus talked to Nicodemus about this born-again language, Nicodemus was totally confused. He said, how can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Now, in this answer from Jesus, he's drawing on some Old Testament scriptures that Nicodemus would have known about. He's drawing on places like Ezekiel 36, where God had said to Israel hundreds of years earlier, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart. Notice there's not much that we're doing in this and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Born again of water and the spirit? Jesus is talking about Ezekiel 36 where God promised to cleanse us with water to cleanse us from our darkness, our sin, and to fill us with his spirit and give us a new heart, a heart of flesh, a soft heart, a heart that loves God and wants to know him. So Jesus is basically saying to Nicodemus, if you want to know the truth about me, if you want to see God's promised kingdom, you need to have a spiritual awakening. You need to be born again. Don't you remember how God himself promised this in Ezekiel 36? He himself will give his spirit to his people. He will cleanse them from their evil and sin. He will give them fresh desire for the things of God. This isn't something you can control, Nicodemus. It's just like the wind. You don't know how it works, but you see its effects. So it is with this born-again business. Now, Jesus is, is schooling the teacher of Israel. He's teaching him that we cannot mil- really merely rely on knowledge and intellect. And Nicodemus, he must have been taken aback by this. If Jesus were just another Jewish rabbi, we might have concluded that he was extremely a- arrogant. But he wasn't just another teacher, he is the Son of God who alone has access to truth, who alone shows us how we can truly know him. And we learn from his encounter with Nicodemus that we will not know him while hiding in darkness we will not know Jesus on our own terms we will not know Jesus through our own knowledge we will only truly know Jesus by humble faith in him and his work at the cross we will only truly know Jesus by humble childlike trust in him and who he is and what he did for us at the end of his interaction with Nicodemus Jesus refers to his death on the cross. He says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He's talking about being lifted up on the cross. That whoever believes in him may have eternal life. The story that Jesus refers to about Moses and the serpent, it comes from Numbers 21 in the Old Testament. And in this story, The people of God continually grumbled and complained against God and Moses in their journey. God had been so gracious to them. He saw them in slavery in Egypt and he did mighty works and wonders and miracles to deliver them from their slavery and he was bringing them to a promised land and while they were going through this desert he was providing them with food called manna that would nourish them and they just continued to grumble against God and against Moses, saying we'd be better off if we were enslaved in Egypt still. They said things like, we loathe this worthless food, this manner that God has so graciously provided us. So God severely disciplined them by sending a plague of fiery serpents that were killing them. And so the people, they changed their minds and cried out to God, and God responded to them. And he told Moses to make a bronze serpent. And he said that anyone who looked at this bronze serpent would be saved, would would be healed from the deadly poison of these serpents. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, basically, I am the greater bronze serpent. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent, I am going to be lifted up on the cross, and everyone who looks to me will be saved will be healed, will receive life. Just like God's judgment was upon Israel, God's judgment is upon this world because of our rebellion against him. In our sin, we have taken up the place of God, we've made ourselves our own rulers and we choose every single day to do what is right and wrong in our own eyes. But this is not how we were meant to live. And it offends the God who created us to live us un- to live under His rule and reign. So he stands against us in our sin and judgment. But we would be wrong to think that he does this because he is an angry God. The truth is, even his judgment comes out of his love for us and His creation. He is love, supreme love and that's why he doesn't want to leave any of us in judgment that's why he sent jesus for god so loved that's emphasized so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish like those israelites in the wilderness but have eternal life For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So even though God will not overlook our sin and evil, no matter how much we want him to, it doesn't contradict his love. He is love. And his love propelled him into the greatest act of self-sacrifice there has ever been. You see, the God who alone has the claim to truth who alone defines how we can come to him. The king of creation first chose to come to us. He came down to our level by becoming a human being called Jesus. And he revealed himself as supremely loving, supremely humble, supremely merciful at the cross. He did not do away with his justice, but he directed it toward himself by dying a bitter, shameful death on our behalf. It was his love that propelled him to the highest act of mercy on the cross. And just like those Israelites in the wilderness, we need healing, we need to be saved. And Jesus calls us to look upon him, to behold him lifted up upon that cross, bloodied, beaten, dying on our behalf for our sins so that we might receive life. God so loved the world. The world that included people that were in complete rejection of him. He loved the world so much that he chose the cross. He chose the cross. And once you truly see this, you will never be the same. Even though we don't know what happened for sure, we know that Nicodemus' encounter with Jesus transformed him. It changed him. At the very end of John's Gospel, after the religious leaders had condemned Jesus to death, we notice that one particular religious leader didn't join them. It was Nicodemus. After Jesus died, we find Nicodemus honoring Jesus, taking his body with a man called Joseph and giving him a proper burial, honoring him. It's as if his encounter in John chapter 3 was exactly what he needed. He didn't meet a soft, cuddly, agreeable Jesus. He met someone who refused to play by the normally accepted rules. He met someone who had the audacity to teach him about knowledge, even though he was the teacher of Israel. He met a mysterious and interesting teacher who talked about being lifted up like moses's bronze servant who talked about eternal life and love and eventually he saw the same teacher go peacefully and willingly to an unjust death on a roman cross he met the real jesus and it changed him and jesus wants to meet with you too and if we're ready to meet with him we just need to know that we can't stay hiding in the darkness we can't come on our own terms we can't come relying on our knowledge and intelligence Jesus just calls us to come humbly he calls us to come humbly like children to look upon him at the cross and believe I'd love to pray for us and just give us some time to be able to respond to that if you'd like to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Jesus, we, we want to meet you. We want to know the real you, Lord. We don't want the wool to be pulled over our eyes. We don't want to convince ourselves that you're someone that you're not. We don't want to just look for truth that feels good. We want to look to you. And we just want to listen to you in your word this morning. We see you, Lord. We see you, Jesus, for who you are. You were uncontrollable. You were the king, and you were a king of love, and mercy, and humility. And you gave your life for every single one of us on the cross. Thank you for doing that for us, Jesus. Please make that real for each one of us this morning. And just while we continue in prayer with our eyes closed, I just want to give those of us who haven't yet met Jesus an opportunity. I want to give you an opportunity just to to speak to him. You can just speak to him in the quietness of your heart. And it's simple. You can just talk to him. If you want to meet him, tell him tell him i want to know you i want to meet with you reveal yourself to me and if you've already come to the point where you see that he is lord and he is love and you want to follow him then you can just tell him that too you can tell him i submit to your rule and i want to know you and live for you and your love i'm just going to give you a minute of silence to just Have that opportunity to do that. Don't resist His will. Come to Him. He's calling. second group of us that I just want to give some space to this morning. We've met Jesus before, but maybe we've fell into some of those errors. Trusting in our own intelligence and wisdom. Hiding in the darkness, just wanting to hold on to the rule of our own lives and do things our own way, not, not quite submitting everything to Jesus. If that's you, I just want to give you a few minutes just to repent, to bring that to Him and to just receive his love and his mercy. Just gonna give you some time to do that. and fail to follow you as we should and Lord, we just thank you that you are merciful that you are loving and kind and we receive your love we receive your forgiveness and jesus we just want to walk with you we want to know you please use us for your glory please bless us with more of yourself please lead us to yourself throughout this series we want to we see you more, Jesus. We love you and we pray this in your name. Amen. If you made the decision for the first time this morning to follow Jesus, if during that prayer time you, you chose him, we would love to celebrate that with you. We'd love to talk to you about that. If you want to do that, you can just fill out a Connect card in the seat in front of you. You can go to the Connection Centre or I would love to see you outside for coffee connect coffee after the service be blessed have a wonderful Sunday let's stand and sing you stood before creation eternity in your hand you spoke the